don't know why it's so funny right now. I'm so tired, Alex. Yeah? We're just starting our show, and I am so tired. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, but... Do you ever get, like, really giggly when you're really tired? Yes. That's what I do, and I'm just, like, in that in that mode. Like, I'm kind of in this fog. For those who don't know and don't follow us on social media, I had two children in the hospital this week. That's two more than that I had. <laughs> we uh, and I only have one. Yeah, you only have one. Well, Faye could have been in the hospital. She could have gone to the vet at the same time Ada was at the hospital. Yeah, well, you know, you could have. No, you know, our middle child Gunner had asthma and pneumonia, so he's up at the hospital. And Alex, let me let me just like give you a snippet of my Friday afternoon. So Gunner's in the hospital and he's like, he's recovering. He's doing much better than he did Thursday night when his lips were purple and his chest was caving in because he couldn't breathe. Like Mm -hmm. asthma's fun. And uh, so he's doing a little bit better. And I came out, I got out of work. I said, Jess, you go get the boys and take them to your parents, you know, get Oliver from school, get Rex from my mom's house, take him to your house. And, and you know, you get out of the hospital, you've been here for 24 hours. I'll take a shift. And so I'm there and they start, Gunner up on an antibiotic and he turns, dude. He starts puking it up. It's like, it's getting rough. You know, all the doctors are rushing in, the nurses are coming in. And by about the time we got all that like cleaned up and got him back in bed, Jess walks in, you know, with dinner for us. It's around seven o'clock. And Jess's mom calls and said, Rex has busted his finger. We're on our way to the ER. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. And so I'm like, Jess, I don't do blood. So you just go downstairs to the ER. I'll stay up here with Gunner. And dude, he crushed his finger with a rock. He broke his fingertip in like three places. He sliced his finger from the tip down to his palm. He lost his fingernail, like his his fingernail was just hanging by a thread. Mm. He had to go into surgery and the surgeons were like, it was, it was way worse than we thought. Like this poor little guy just looked at it and said from the fingertip down, it just looked like hamburger. So poor little dude, man Mm. down for the count. And this is, two days before mother's day so I was happy like, mother's day jess yeah. i think i said somebody quick take oliver wrap him in bubble wrap and then put him <laughs> in a bath of essential oils and then like have him chug pepto whatever it takes for one of our we children have to keep this kid healthy to make it to mother's day jess is like i'm getting a tattoo that says mother's day 2017 never forget <laughs> never forget <laughs> it was rough dude i'm so tired well, they're both home though, right? Both home, both doing well. So yeah. I want to kind of land that story. I one of the things that I saw on our social media was one you 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 know posted you were posting updates and whatnot, but to see some of our Pottern family, if I, I can use yeah. that term, commenting or texting or tweeting saying that you, they were praying for you or yeah, at least thinking about really your family. Cool. So if you did that, thank you so much for that. And I just I think it's crazy again. Social media is good for trolling Cheez-Its, but it's also good for letting people know <laughs> what's going on in life and that people can just, to just to, I don't know this, and maybe I'm just over-spiritualizing things, but just to know that there's other people in different states, in different parts of the world that are just, they're, okay, again, spiritualizing, taking their this request of yours to, for your children to be yeah. healed to God. Yeah. So It's really cool. I don't know. Again, it's over-spiritualizing it, but... I, yeah, just thought that was really cool. But Jason, I got one better. 
Yeah. You know what's... You're going to one-up me? I'm going to one-up two kids being in the hospital with... All right, let me just tell you what happened. Okay. I, uh, I went to the store. Yeah. And I saw the most perfect piece of five pounds of pork shoulder roast. So I, I, I buy it. I buy this nice little pork pork roast. Yeah. I pan sear it, you know, I smother butter all over it <laughs> and oil and all these different <laughs> spices. And I pan sear it and it's it's just going so good. It's just smelling up my kitchen, just something just amazing. Your voice is getting deeper, but what people can't see is your face. <laughs> and then what I do is I, I take I take this little pot roast, I take I take it this pork roast and I put it in a crock pot and for seven hours it just simmers in its own juices and as it's slowly breaking down and becoming into this pulled pork piece of heaven. And I take, I, you know, after those seven hours, I take it out, I cut it. It's like, oh, it's so just, I'm so excited to eat it. And I can just, every, everybody, my whole family's over. They're all smelling and it's like, oh my goodness, this is so good. I get done cutting it up, pulling the pork apart to make, we're making pulled pork tacos. Yeah. And the pan slips out of my hand. I drop the pan on the floor, shatters because it's made of glass. Yeah. And I've got pieces of broken glass in my pork roast. You're such a jerk. <laughs> and then the dog comes and starts licking up. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> I literally oh. I, I I it took every piece of my being to not cuss. Well, did you like that was a happy Mother's Day for Faye. Yeah. Because she got to enjoy that. <laughs> anyway, that is not worse than what you went through, but I tried. I tried yeah. to make it worse. But anyway, guys, Mother's Day happened. We're glad that we got through it uh, unscathed, but we have an awesome interview with... <laughs> this is like the weirdest transition. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Alice, but we have <laughs> Pastor Alice Connor on the show today to talk about her book, Fierce, and... I just um, women of the Bible and their stories of violence, mercy, bravery, wisdom, sex, and salvation. Wow, says it all right there yes. in the title, man. Yes, but we have an awesome discussion with her. Kind of talk about some of the f- your favorite moments, Jason, from the book. I, I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, but we talk about your favorite moments, Sinner. and we also just kind of talk about God and how big he is and how he's he's so much more than what we our little minds can fathom i guess yeah is what we also talked about it was, it was just a great interview yeah and it kept going like we stopped hitting a chord which is always like you shouldn't do that because yeah. our conversation kept going and kept it was pretty awesome yeah so alice thank you so much for yeah, the little so counseling awesome. session that you gave us after we stopped recording yeah. and guys you're gonna really enjoy this one this is not your pastor's biblical women episode guys we're here with pastor alice how's it going it's going great so where are you calling us from cincinnati ohio oh nice i just the drove Queen through City. there i just drove through there a what couple of months ago uh on my way to someplace else <laughs> but <laughs> you should have stopped <laughs> you know awesome what here. it was raining so bad 
Yeah. Oh my goodness, it was miserable. So we were coming from through or from Flint, Michigan, but we were coming back from uh, Kentucky. Uh-huh. So just the rain at the bottom of that hill as you're coming into Cincinnati, yeah. I wanted to die. I was I was done driving. It was miserable. <laughs> well, if you were done, you should have stopped. Yeah. You called me, and we could have gone out for drinks and dinner, and it would have been delightful. That would have been nice. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I haven't been to Ohio in a while, ever since Michigan uh, uh, lifted the band on fireworks. I've been <laughs> staying close to home. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did Ohio do fireworks? Yeah, Ohio had fireworks, so we would always, every 4th of July, we would, you I know what, this was... might be incriminating. Anyway, strike that from the record. <laughs> I'll never tell. So we're here with Pastor Alice, and Pastor Alice, you wrote an awesome book called Fierce. Jason, you have that yeah. book. Yes, I just finished it the other night while we were in the hospital. <laughs> but I'm so sad about that. Yeah. And, but at least you had something entertaining to read. Yes, and that's like... That's like a good way of putting it too, because it's very informative, but it's also entertaining. Like, like I don't know, I've read so many books, like uh, <laughs> a couple of John MacArthur's, you know. Oh my god, get, getting those going. Well, like just books on women. He's got one. There's a couple other twelve. Too, so twelve extraordinary women. Jameson. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think we we read through that. Oh well, Why pretty is- much, pretty much whatever my wife is handed as part of her uh, mom's group or women's group. Like I read through them too. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> what what percentage of those books that her mom's or women's group reads are written by men? You know what I don't forget K. Arthur, know. Jason. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. They, I think they've done a couple. K. Arthur, Beth Moore, and yeah, there's there's a couple in there. But, I mean, it's not it's not that we don't have wisdom about each other, right? But it's just really interesting to me how often people of one group write about people from another group yeah why not let the people in that group write about themselves yeah exactly (laughs) so before we get into the book and i want to say before we get into the book uh jason i didn't read the book yet uh but jason (gasps) sent sent me this (laughs) alex with his school and everything acting all mature I've been watching a lot of Netflix. I'm sorry. Excellent. <laughs> um, I have to say the titles in the book are truly incredible. And Jason Jason sent me the index because I was like curious, like what, what, what women you cover in the book? And all of them. All of them. <laughs> and no. I was like, oh my gosh, she's really creative with the titles. But if, you, if you're listening to this, you've heard us say it multiple times that Alice is a pastor. So we, we got we to gotta, you know, call out the elephant in the room. Because most of us, including Jason and I, we grew up learning that women were not allowed to be pastors in any in any capacity. And actually, I was trying to find a recent poll of how many churches in the U.S. actually have uh, women as the sole or lead pastor of a church. And I mm. think the most recent poll I found was in 2010, and it was 12%, I want to say. Yeah. I don't know if, if you found any math on that, Alice, but... I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that sounds about accurate, yeah. Okay, so what led you to be a pastor, especially when most uh, most everybody in, in Christendom says that the Bible says that women aren't allowed to be pastors? Yeah. Well, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, uh, and I'm still an Episcopal priest. Um, not still, that sounds weird. Anyway, uh, <laughs> my father is an Episcopal priest. Uh, I grew up in the Episcopal Church my whole life, and... Um, we started ordaining women in the, I want to say, early 70s, early to mid-70s. Yeah. Um, well, 
you can make the case that we started ordaining women again uh, <laughs> since early church. There were a lot of women who were in charge of house churches, uh, and that sort of, for whatever reason, went out of fashion. Anyway, um, so it, uh, growing up, there, uh, it's true, as you say, that there weren't very many uh, women pastors, women priests at all, much less in charge, you know, sort of solo pastorate or senior pastor. Um, but I grew up knowing that it was possible. And also um, in the summer camp that I went to as a kid, um, one of the people who was there all the time, I, I'm not sure if she was a chaplain or there, like officially there or not, uh, was uh, a, a woman named Mary, uh, who was, she was not one of the first 11 who were ordained, but she was like the second set of people <laughs> ordained. Uh, and of course, we called her Father Mary, which was kind of ridiculous, but um, she was amazing. Like, yeah. so I always had that in front of me as, oh yeah, that's a possibility. Like, and it wasn't like, oh, that's weird. It was just, yeah, there's women priests, whatever. Um, it's not not an issue, I guess, in yeah. my in the the most recent iteration of my faith tradition. Um, and I work for Lutherans now, and similarly, they started ordaining women around that same time, maybe a little bit later. Um, so it's just not an issue in the denominations that I serve. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what what was the switch? I mean, was it just uh, mm-hmm. maybe the, I don't know what, because Lutherans and Episcopals, they don't have a Pope per se, but like right. it, the main leaders of that denomination, what what was, what was ha- what made them switch their position, I guess? I, I'm, I'm, this is just a fascinating concept <laughs> to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't want to. No, it's fine. It's it's complicated, and I probably am not the best person to ask because, uh, well, whatever. I, I, I can tell you a little bit about it, and maybe we can look up some resources to share with your listeners later because I can't remember all the specific details. Yeah. However, um, so the the first women in the Episcopal Church who were ordained, the, that first, I think they called them the Philadelphia 11, Pittsburgh 11. I can't remember which city it was in. Uh, they were ordained, uh, as we say, non-canonically meaning oh. they weren't allowed to be. Oh, okay. Um, but some rogue bishops did it and anyway. Um, and Those they got kind bishops. of the finger shaken at them. I mean, this had been coming for a while. This is not just like out of the blue. No, we, we like to think of it that way, right? Like you look at history and you say, oh my gosh, this, this crazy thing happened. Who could ever have seen it coming? Well, lots of people saw it coming. It just, you know, gotcha. this is the moment you remember. Um, so so it had been coming for a while. These women said, no, we're going to do this. This is this is real and this is right and this is important. We're going to do it. Um, and like a lot of people who have gone before them, um, who made difficult decisions and may in fact have gotten in a lot of trouble for it, they knew that it wasn't going to go real well for them <laughs> at the beginning. Okay. Um, and I don't remember exactly. I, there we are as Episcopalians. We're nothing if not polite. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know they they probably got letters from other bishops and things that, you know, we invite you to reconsider your yeah. decision. We invite you, we invite you to, to resign from this. And, and they probably wrote back saying, um, thank you ever so much for your kind invitation. We must respectfully decline. <laughs> like, that's, how we, that's how we write. I wish so our, our listeners could see your hand gestures too. Yeah, like. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so the upshot of all that is how it changed is a small group of people said, at representing a larger group of people said, this is what we're going to do. And then sort of the, the hierarchy kind of first said no, and then kind of came back to it and said, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. We should do this. Cause again, they had already been talking about it. It wasn't, 
you know, totally brand new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just seems like this is such like this big and bold thing. Like, okay, yeah. we're, we're doing this, but I don't know when I look at the Bible, especially of late, like I shared with you just a moment ago, I screw up super conservative, but I look at, I go back and I'm like, wait, there's, there's women who were deacons and ah. there's a house at this woman's church. And, right. and like, I don't, like, what do you do with Paul? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, are you like are what you gonna you have some are you gonna have some words with Paul when you yes when when yes, we get I to know. heaven like like in one and like in Galatians he's saying hey female male we're equal and then you right, got right. the mess in you know First Timothy like there are those uh, in fact the majority of scholars who would say that Timothy was not written by Paul yeah um, or at least not directly written by him probably not. Um, that maybe was not something we want to go into a lot right now, but, um, yeah. you can go read about sort of the seven uncontested letters of Paul and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, does it matter if Paul wrote it, if it's in the Bible and it's been authoritative for 2000 years worth of Christians, right? Yeah, like that's exactly, that's important, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and, and I want to be clear that whether we're talking about this or we're talking about the way I write about women in my book um, or whatever, I, I don't have any desire to throw things out of scripture. Um, one of my chapters is about um, Ezekiel. and I wanted to Ezekiel, get to that. Oh my God. Ezekiel, so God excited. bless him. He had some really, I mean, you know, we love the Valley of the Dry Bones, right? It's a fantastic yeah. story. I just preached about it recently and it's a lot grosser than anybody ever talks about. But, um, like he's got some really amazing stuff, but then he's got these really awful passages. And like, literally if there was anything I wanted to throw out of scripture, it would be Ezekiel chapters 16 and 23. Like they're just, they're so awful. Um, and I don't think that they necessarily represent who God actually is. Right. Mm -hmm. But for me, scripture is so complex. And actually I was just saying, I just got out of a, a conversation with, um, some college students over Skype. Um, or Zoom, whatever, over the internet, um, <laughs> about the book as well. And that's, we were talking about that, that, that they have grown up with people telling them, whether, they, whether those people were within the church or outside the church, um, you know, you have to accept everything in Scripture, no matter what, as equal. Therefore, when it says women shouldn't speak in church, there you go, done. Yeah. And I get that. It does say that. It says a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, and to, to, for any of us, like literally liberal conservative does not matter to take one thing and say, this is it. This is the whole of scripture. If you don't do this, there's something wrong with you. We're doing it wrong. I, yeah, I agree. It's not what it is. So, I don't think that answered your question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm kind of like curious because like you've got all these like, um, I don't know what you call them, like uh, neo Baptists. Like they're not Baptists anymore. They're much cooler now. You know, they got <laughs> they, they got like a full band and drums and everything. But sure. the Episcopal Church has been doing this for twenty years. In fact, I have a coworker. He grew up, and his pastor, his whole entire life, was a woman pastor. He knows no different, which I think is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he he sent me an article the other day, like you know, 20 years of a female pastor. I was like, that's, mm-hmm. that's an incredible length of ministry for any pastor. Like, mm, sure. Like yeah. wherever you're at, that's, that's crazy. But on the same side of that, you got people like Alex and I, who th- this is all like new for. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. 
how do we begin to have those conversations? Like, mm, like in your parish, you mean? Yeah, with like our our leadership or whatever you'd want to call it. I haven't heard it. that term since I was a Catholic. What parish? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Episcopalians are damn close to Catholic, so. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, okay. So in my campus ministry that I serve, uh, we have a thing that we do called "say the thing." It's a technical term. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds uh, awesome. I know, right? <laughs> Essentially, it comes from the space of, of how human beings in general, I guess, I, I don't know if I want to make that sweeping a statement, I, and a lot of people I know, um, have a hard time asking specifically for what we need. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's we, we try to, you know, in a, in a positive way, manipulate other people into doing the thing we want them to do, right? Mm. Like, it's, it's got to be your idea. Why not just say... Hey, what if we try this? Yeah, you know, um, or or even like, hey, I was talking to this lady pastor, and she's pretty cool. I hope, and um, you know, have have we ever talked about that? Like, seriously though, not just like, oh, well, the Bible says it, but like, what would it be like? And not not even, and this may be a leap for y'all. I don't know. Um, I, I have a, a friend, I guess an acquaintance, really, um, who wrote this amazing scholarly article about. Um, same-sex marriage and what was beautiful about it was that he skipped entirely over the proof texting of whether or not it was a sin he just said we're done with that like yeah. everybody's written about that it's it's whatever year it if was it's the, you can look it up it's not, it's out yeah, there right it was like 2005 when i read this thing so yeah. like it's 2005 the work has been done yeah we, we've done it go read it go talk about it that's fine the point of this paper is in what way are same-sex relationships a blessing for the church? Hmm. Right? Hmm. Not, not. gosh, should we, you know, hand-wringing, but, like, what about this would be beautiful and life-giving? Hmm. And that might be a question to ask. Like, particularly when we're talking about um, half the human race, when yeah. you're talking about men and women. Yeah. <laughs> that... that it's 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 not that women can't hear truth from men and the men can't hear truth from women. It's it's that we all have different experiences. Why uh, limit the beauty and the life giving nature of someone's ministry because of their genitals? Yeah, yeah. I mean that. I think that's a good segue to get into your book because one of the the stunning statements, and I guess I didn't realize this growing up in in the in the church environment that I grew up in. Uh, it, I'm going to paraphrase what you said, but you said, "How come?" that whenever we we preach on a story in the Bible that's about a man, it's for both men and women. But Uh whenever we preach a story about a woman, it's only for the women. And I'm like, dang, that's right. (laughs) Like, yeah. And you, and you go through this, you go through the different stories. It's like, man, these women have way more faith and get it right more times than (laughs) the men do. Yeah. And so let's just dive into the book because I'm really excited so Jason, let's do, let's do let's do some book questions that you well, have written you kinda, down. Well, you kind of you kind of brought it up earlier, and what I love 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 about your book is it's like incredibly authentic, mm. and like everybody kind of knows, like okay, we all say that the the Bible's R rated. Like okay, yeah. we all know that you know there's you know King David and and stuff that he did. Yeah, I get it. You know, there's sex and different things, but we don't realize that the language like 
there's there's some pretty strong language in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. And, and it doesn't get translated. Yeah, mostly. that's what's blowing my mind. Can yeah. you explain that for a moment? I don't know if I can explain it. <laughs> <laughs> it just isn't. Um, I mean, I, I think I snarkily said something like, uh, you know, the, the translators look at the Hebrew and go, what? I can't translate that. They'll stone us. Yeah. Like, because, because, you know, Ezekiel in particular has a really foul mouth. Yeah. Um, and sort of we have this sense, and I think have for a long time, it's not a recent thing, that, um, you know, that church is clean, yeah. right? And I mean, I, I get that because, like, we have a very beautiful and legit theology of sort of, uh, you know, being washed. I, I, Episcopal, Episcopalians and Lutherans don't use the, the blood theology as much as other denominations do, but, um, but it's still there, right? Like sort of this, this being cleansed by both baptism, but also by Jesus life, death and resurrection. Um, and that's, that's fantastic, right? Like that's a really great metaphor, but it tends to bleed over into things that's not helpful for like, you know, you've got to be scrubbed clean and beautiful and perfect for church on Sunday, which also means inside, you know? And so we have kind of bland conversations. Yeah. Um, How's know, the weather? How are your kids? They're great. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And it's, I mean, that's, and that's oversimplifying too, right? Like that's not entirely fair. Yeah. Um, Cause we do have many of us, you know, really deep relationships with people at church and talk about real things. That said, <laughs> how many people do I know? How many people do you know? who, when you say something about, oh, I went to church, and they, they might just kind of half offhandedly say, like, oh, I could never go there. The church would fall down around me. Oh, or like All the time. You know, I'm, I'm such a sinner, you know, and I'm like, what the hell do you think the rest of us are? Yeah. Like, that's why we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But we haven't given that perspective, right? It's, and, and that it, it even comes across in the way we translate things. Like, you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't use those words. We, we don't read Song of Songs in church. It's yeah. too sexy. Like, oh, right. Like, nobody in this building ever has sex. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, now you're looking at your parish differently, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what, I, I'm kind of curious, what was your favorite chapter to write for this book? Oh, my God. What was my favorite chapter to write? Because I'm, I'm kind of curious what everybody's favorite have my woman in the Bible is. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know that I can lay claim to a favorite woman in the Bible um, because, like I said, you know, the scripture is so complicated. Not complicated is the right word. Complex. There's so much to it um, that I don't know that I necessarily want to claim one as a favorite because they all say different things to me, right? Yeah. Um, however, I really enjoyed writing the Eve chapter. I really struggled with it. Um, though for me, struggle is often enjoyable, so it's fine. Um, Jacob wrestling the angel is sort of a, a, a lens for me for reading scripture. Um, so I really enjoyed Eve, particularly when I, like, I liked writing kind of the, rewriting the goofiness, right. Of the, of the origin story. Mm -hmm. But when I had sort of the, the moment of awareness of, Oh, it's about grief. Yeah, that really like suddenly it all just like clicked. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, that's what it's about. And then I just it all flowed. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really nice. Um, and I really liked I weirdly uh, I struggled with this one, too, for different reasons. Um, I really enjoyed how the Herodias chapter turned out. Um, I didn't 
<laughs> I didn't necessarily set out to write a chapter on Herodias. Uh, it was actually in my head. It started out as a joke. Um, <laughs> just like there's so many Herods and then there's Herodias and then her daughter Herodias. I'm like, Oh my God, you guys like pick new names. This is oh so my, confusing. I was confused just reading it. Like, right. Oh, which, who's who, which was, which was oh my gosh. Herodias <laughs> really Jr. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's, it started out as a joke. And then I was like, actually though, if I'm going to write this, like if, if I'm going to take this seriously, I'm not committed to it yet, but if I'm going to take it seriously, I got to read up about this. Cause I'm confused. Yeah. And then I read an entire book about the Herodian dynasty and I was like, okay, now I understand it. And well, shit, I just read a whole book. So now I got to chapter. That's how I feel in sermon prep. Right. It's like, but it was, oh, but it was yeah. so interesting. Like, yeah. That book that I read was so good. Um, and like just their whole, the whole dynasty and the whole, those women and that, that whole family were so different from all the other people I'd written to that point. That I felt like I needed it. I needed, I needed the diversity of that to say it's yeah. not just all these outsiders. There's also these women who are right in the thick of things with power, as much as power they could have. Anyway, mm. um, so those those two were really. I don't, I'm not sure "fun" is the right word, but yeah. I really enjoyed writing. <laughs> yeah, I know my favorite was your chapter. Well, one of my favorites was your chapter on Asherah. Yeah, because like I don't think we spent a whole lot of time thinking about. Asherah, like she, yeah, like oh, we she, just... she's one of the most popular chapters too. Like when I talk to podcasts or when I talk to groups of people, they're like, "Oh my gosh, tell me about this Asherah person." Yeah, so like we're in the middle of our month on celebrating women, our feminism. Like this, one of the things Alex and I are doing for ourselves is like pushing our boundary and, and understanding yeah. more. And we started with my wife, who's a feminist, who over the past mm-hmm. like like three years for maybe more ever since she started roller derby, which, yes, <laughs> well, that was like, that was part of the coming out party, but I mean, it goes, <laughs> it goes like further beyond that, but like, which, which when I contacted you, you mentioned roller derby. I was like, did we just become yes. best friends? <laughs> like, yes. Yes. My daughter who is eight actually just came back from her roller derby practice. So. That is oh, awesome. man, that's around legit. in the background. That's her. Yeah. We got to get Ada into roller derby. <laughs> we, we are, we're going to recruit her. It's um, fantastic. Um, but you know, we had on my wife, we had on Hillary McBride last week was, was fabulous. We're having you on. And not only that, we have like this little, uh, I'm recapping for our listeners and I don't know why, but, um, <laughs> Uh, You're helping me out. It's good. We have this pulpit series where we have people preach for five, ten minutes on Jesus and what Jesus mm-hmm. means to them and stuff. And this, mm-hmm. all this month, we're listening to all women who have submitted mm-hmm. um, sermons to our, our uh, podcast. Um, but your chapter on Asherah, to me, like when I got to the end, like I'm reading this chapter, I'm like, is this this is on Asherah? Like, are we celebrating Asherah here? Like, are we wor- are we are we supposed to worship Asherah? And I was like, no. And then we, I get to the end of it and you make this beautiful point, like all throughout like her history, she's, she's being erased. Mm-hmm. Like she was at the very least worth being erased, worth being tore down. Right. Right. And like, isn't that kind of like the goal for people to, for everybody? Like, to leave an impact on this world to, mm. to the point where, you know, I think of like even Jesus himself, like Jesus yeah. is worth being erased. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really nice way to put it. 
Yeah, like that's that was I think what was frustrating to me in learning that in seminary was um, how often, uh, well, all of it, but but particular chapters in the Hebrew Scriptures are, for lack of a better term, political. Um, that they, and I don't mean political in a in a negative light. It's it's a neutral term. Yeah. Um, that that it's about sort of well, as they say, the art of the possible and and kind of how we tell the narrative that we tell. Um, and so much of particularly Kings and Chronicles um, is about kind of justifying who is in power when it's being written um, yeah. and, and sort of to put it in a kind of, I guess, grumpy way. I don't know if grumpy is really the right word either, but <laughs> um, to say, well, yeah, I mean, you know, we we so we did worship this Asherah person, but like we we know that's wrong now, like obviously. So now we're going to sort of rewrite our stories in such a way that it makes it clear that we now know better. Yeah. But also, maybe we did. I, I mean, it would literally it would be like, and there are people who do this, like rewriting sort of secular history. Right, people who people who deny the Holocaust happened. People who, oh my gosh, the the horrible, horrible people. Yes, I'm being judgy, but the horrible people who say that Sandy Hook wasn't real, like to the parents who lost children at Sandy Hook. That's brutal, mm-hmm. right? And like for whatever reason, and that that's kind of extreme, right? But but for whatever reason, we look back at history a lot of times, and we'll say, well, like I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to tell you this what happened, and it is what happened. But you're leaving out a bunch of stuff that like colors in the picture a little bit more um, or tells a completely different story. And mm. we lose something when right. we don't, when we edit ourselves, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, just because you don't want to tell the story about it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for a quote at the end of uh, that mm. chapter. Oh man. Hold on just a moment. At my books in my car, I would help you out. <laughs> yeah. He's got it. I have got I'm open to it. I'm just looking for the the right little part. Um do, do, I know do, I'm sorry. Do, I'm do, I'm, do, I'm, do, I'm actively re- rereading a portion. You know what? I'm gonna I am going to read everything I have underlined and we can edit it if we if need be. So <laughs> You say uh, Ashra, and I'm, am I saying that right? Is that the correct way to say I that? I don't know. I say Asherah, <laughs> but I don't know if that's. I, I think that's correct, but I, I, I'm not that much of an expert to be able to tell you. Yeah, I have this old school audio Bible from the '80s, and uh-huh. so it must be 100 percent correct. So, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Uh, so Asherah's. I'm just going to say that Asherah's story is about transcending my story. That sounds kind of fancy. What I mean is that it's been easy to let myself be silent or even erased, to think that I'm not important enough or that someone else's understanding of my story is more right than my own experience. I love that. Like, that's so incredible. Like, that's what um, we try so hard, especially like in our pulpit series or just in our like in our day to day conversations. I come across a lot of people who are like. Yeah, I can't, I just, I can't speak up, you know, like I heard so-and-so's yeah. story and theirs is much better than mine. And, right. and you know, what, what value do I have? And to me, it's like, you're a voice, like your yeah. voice is very valuable. Like, and, yeah. so, and so you keep going here. I'm not particularly quiet person as my friends will attest, but I've allowed myself to fade into the background at times. I've ignored cat calling with my face burning and the shame in my gut. I pretended to 
to myself that the experiences I've had don't stand up against someone else's. I will not be silent any longer. And you just make this such powerful and beautiful voice to to just be a person and just say yeah. something and and I think everybody struggles with that. I know I've struggled yeah. with that. Like who am I to go and preach or speak at this event? Like mm-hmm. what what am I going to add to this old folks home? And they're exp- right. like like they're old. They know everything, you know? Like like who am <laughs> I to interject or have anything? And I, and it's not so much about like being right as much as it is of just like for me of like uh, just being present and being mm-hmm. there and going and, and mm-hmm. doing the thing mm-hmm. and just kind of being bold, like with God, like, okay, God, what are we doing here? What what are we doing right. now? <laughs> right. Yeah. I just Somebody, love the way you put that at the end of that chapter. I thought that thank was brilliant. You. Um, Somebody once told me, uh, heaven is perfect, and when somebody else shows up, it's more perfect. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> you know, this is a little it's greeting still- cardish, but yeah. <laughs> sort of this, the sense that that um, uh, one one of the ways we talk about it in my campus ministry is uh, the people who need to be here are here. Yeah. You know, sort of. So sometimes that's kind of an affirmation. That, well, the, we had a small turnout to the thing, but these people really needed to be here. So great. This is this is who we are right now. And another way to say that would be um, the body of Christ is not complete without everyone. Yeah. Regardless of what your particular body is like, whatever your brain and your heart are like, you are part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and the body is not whole without every one of those people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Awesome. No, I was just thinking like just earlier today, I was thinking like if there is like a demon roaming around at this present moment, like the worst demon, like conquering the United States or not just the world, it's the demon of like isolation mm-hmm. and it's making you feel like um, you're in this alone. Yeah. Like I, like our kids are in the hospital and like those, those thoughts creep in. We're, we're in this alone. Like, like in that tense moment of, you know, my kid's finger just got crushed. Like, well, it's like all of a sudden I'm in panic mode and my, my kid's finger is the only finger that's ever been crushed in the whole world. Absolutely. Like, you, you feel so like every like horrible experience feels so isolated. So, yeah, even though it's a little greeting cardish, like yeah. somebody no, I, else is there. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, years ago, I um drove up to, to Columbus to preach at my seminary. And, um, I, I think I, I reached for something in my car while I was driving and like pulled my neck. Like it was something stupid like that. So suddenly I was in this massive amount of pain. Yeah. And I, so I got to the seminary and I lay on the floor for a while and then I went and I preached and I came out and one of my professors did Reiki on me. It was a whole thing. And I went to the <laughs> hospital, um, cause I was like, this is miserable. And because I wasn't bleeding, I had to sit there for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Which I totally get. Yeah. But I was miserable and I was alone. Yeah. Because um, my parents didn't live in Columbus anymore. I completely, this is so dumb, I completely forgot my brother still lived there. <laughs> I was by myself. Like, nobody from the seminary was there. I didn't know anybody in the hospital. Um, and, of course, when you get hurt, yeah, I mean, the, the whole world just condenses down to this one thing. This is all there is. This is all there ever will be. Um, I was so miserable I finally got called back into a room 
And this guy walked in and I was like, oh, I know you. My dad, who I'd called on the phone crying, yeah. had called up several local Episcopal priests. It was like, oh, who's there? Cool. My daughter's in the hospital. Can you go visit? And so uh, I think it was Ron Matthews was his name. That's probably not right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. The point is that I knew who he was. Yeah. And he came in and we, we didn't talk about anything important. Like we yeah. talked about the weather and like, oh yeah, my shoulder hurts. And like, why are you here? I was preaching at my seminary, you know, and then he prayed over me and he left. What was transformative about that experience was recognizing that it didn't, it literally did not matter what he said. Yeah. It's that I wasn't alone in that moment. That is so cool. Mm -hmm. That is really cool. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back with more from Pastor Alice. Jason, welcome to the break. Everything you say to me. Do you know that this is, this is true? This is a truth about Lincoln Park, Jason, that if you start at any point during any Lincoln Park song, you could start talking like Optimus Prime and it works. Yeah. Like, do you, have you seen the Transformer movies? Oh, very little. Not a, not a big fan. It's like, I'm Optimus Prime. And then you have that song blasting in the background. Anyway, we're getting way <laughs> off topic. Way off. It's, it's late. And Jason and I are tired, like we said in the intro. But we have Jason, not one. Not two, but oh, a trinity again. Of, of five-star reviews, my friend. So let me read some of these yeah. because guess what? If you leave us a five-star review on the iTunes app, guess what? You're going to get your five-star review read. That's so right. here we go. This one is from Bros, Bibles, and Beer, another podcast, yeah. Jason. Seems like, seems like guys I'd like to have too many drinks with while discussing <laughs> the evils of penal substitutionary atonement. Darn. I promised myself I'd keep this review light. <laughs> but seriously, PSA is garbage. Dang it. I did it again. But super serious this time, you guys have great guests, great flow, like each other's company, at least seem to, and are willing to be honest and about the tough topics. Keep it up. And he said, hashtag... Grace, peace, and cheers. Hashtag podcasting will save the world. And hashtag <laughs> dang Gina. Oh, yeah. So, Tony, you have some some love out there from the guys uh, at Bros, Beers, and Bible. We'll or Bi- Bros, Bibles, and Beers. Yeah, I always mess up. I always mess it up. Dang Gina. <laughs> there we go. We got, uh, let me say, like, I would have to have multiple beers to have any penal conversations. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness, my yeah. Uh, Read the next one. Uh, this one is from the Charlie Porter, who he said, "Lord have mercy." I've caught up on every episode and appreciate. Oh no, oh, way. Charlie! My yeah. goodness, dude. And appreciate that these not my pastors put on such a great podcast. I don't awesome. always see myself in agreement, but I don't care. Thanks, oh, man. That's cool. The conversation is full of grace and kindness, and most of all, empathy. I've been inspired to say the le- uh, to say the least, and I can't wait to hear even more. Charlie, thank you. What's the name That's of his awesome. new podcast again? It was called um, what was his pod? The Fable Podcast. The Fable Podcast. That's and right. Now I think it's the Neighborhood Liturgies. So yeah, guys, I go hope check- I'm not saying that wrong. Go check that podcast out. Uh, we'll link it. Absolutely. And then this one, Jason. This one is going to blow your socks off. Yeah. This one's from Freedom Dog Twenty Four, but. The subtitle is 
Small Town Pastors Associate. <laughs> the saga of Small Town Pastors Church continues. So this is what this is what <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, the way he spelled dog is Freedom Dog twenty four. This is what he says, or or she. I don't know. The gender. We don't want to make that mistake. I again. don't want to make that mistake again either. Uh, hey guys, I serve as the associate pastor at Small Town Pastors Church. She turned me onto your podcast, and I absolutely love it. Your conversations and topics have encouraged us to have more meaningful conversations to broaden our worldviews. Personally, I can say I have been enlightened by your podcast, especially this month's focus on women slash feminism. Awesome. Keep up the good work. And if you didn't hear some of our other uh conversations we had about small town pastors church it's it's this is a staff requirement yeah so (laughs) associate Uh, pastor at small town pastors church yeah we know it's a requirement but thank you so much for the five-star review yeah i I wonder if leaving us a five-star review is also a requirement (laughs) (laughs) we know what else is a requirement jason oh what's that finishing this interview with pastor alice so let's get back into it All right, guys, we're back here with Pastor Alice, and I just got to ask, <laughs> Rahab, you know Rahab. Uh, I'm supposed to say it out loud. <laughs> we've been through this before. Yeah. <laughs> for for those listening- who haven't read the book yet, it's because her name, she Rahab was the most beautiful, kind of think Helen of Troy times a thousand. She was so beautiful, according to the rabbis, that even if you said her name out loud, you would be overcome with feelings <laughs> certain feelings certain urges you guys are using hand motions that nobody can see <laughs> <laughs> but i was yeah. curious alice why is it like in the book of hebrews when she's mentioned that they still call her rahab the prostitute i mean they should be calling her rahab thanks for saving our butts right yeah so, any theories on that no it was uh, always the a, patriarchy. It was, <laughs> i mean there's always a pet peeve of mine like come yeah. on she's listed uh, here with moses and all these other guys come on i mean why why do we only re- remember mary magdalene as a prostitute she wasn't yeah but that's the story that everybody remembers because it's salacious because and- it's it's too long to say mary i saw jesus before all you mugs yeah exactly well mary the first <laughs> apostle yeah that's not that hard Oh my gosh. Anyway, we're having real fun with Pastor Alice, and we're discussing her book, Fierce. Uh, how long has this book been out? I'm kind of curious. Uh, February 1st is when it came out this year. Is it been well-received? That's my dad's birthday. Uh, oh, is it? Happy birthday yeah. to your dad. Yeah. That's totally why we published it that day. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I mean, Yeah, I think it has been well-received. My editor is very pleased with the sales, so I guess that's one indication. Um, and... Pretty much everybody I have spoken with in terms of like small groups or podcasts um, or just like kind of individual conversations with people um, have been really positive. Um, I think people have said they they definitely feel challenged by it in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but also sort of a lot of people have said they feel uh, more equipped, more um, affirmed in things that they thought they were alone in. Yeah, we um, kind of talked about that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, to be fair, I don't read negative reviews, or have not yet. Um, at least one person on the internet called it poison, so that's exciting. Nice. Um, oh, definitely not poison. Sounds like the Christian no thing to do. Oh, right, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm, I'm certain that there's some negative stuff out there um, if you've looked for it. Um, but the people who've actually read it have really dug it for the most part. Um, so it's like, it's like our podcast sometimes, like sometimes we'll get, I can't believe you guys are doing this particular topic. And it's like, did you listen to the episode? If you're going right. to critique it, please listen to the episode first and right. then you can say something to me. Yeah. I will say there, there've been a handful of, um, I think they were intended to be negative comments on the book trailer. Um, that it's, it's on YouTube and I posted it on Facebook and just a handful of random dudes who, uh, I think they were trying to say something negative about it and like put me in my place, but they weren't very articulate. Um, so <laughs> it was, you yeah, do not but, write books. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I don't know. I mean, a couple of them brought up Galatians three twenty eight. Like one of them literally just posted Galatians three twenty eight, And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's in my Bible too. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. Like what, what are you t- say more? <laughs> I just, I, what one guy, bless his heart. He just, I, I can't believe she didn't break. She didn't mention our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And the greatest woman to ever walk the earth, his mother, Mary. And I'm like, it's a trailer. Yeah. Like it's, an <laughs> it's not the final product. Like I, you know, I, I just, I really wanted to just like take these people in and say like, Oh sweetie, no, let's yeah. talk about incomprehension. It's <laughs> <laughs> super condescending of me, but it was really frustrating. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, anyway, so fun. So, so I want to talk about some of the areas where uh, I was challenged, or at least I want yeah. to like challenge our listeners. So you have this amazing chapter about the woman at the well, yes, and on the road. So mm-hmm. I, you know, this is a story we like, like read a hundred thousand times, but I was reading the way you wrote it, and you're kind of like, uh, you know what? The woman at the well was kind of like sassy, like yeah. With Jesus. Like, she's, like, not just taking it. She's, like, pushing back. Sassy Susan from Sycar. Is that her yeah. name? <laughs> no. But- Sassy Susan. <laughs> you shouldn't even get a name in that. Yeah, the, I, I really... Probably some of that is... is um, so We call that the Mary Sue? Putting yourself into something? Uh, whatever. I, I probably there's some of me in her. Yes. Um, but like she, I think I said this in the chapter, like she has the longest conversation with Jesus in all of the new Testament. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, That's new. Um, and like, it seems to me a lot of that has to do with like, they're, they're really digging each other. Right. Like it's, it's not just like a couple of things. Hey Jesus, what do I do? Okay. I don't want to do that. It's, it's like, this really intense conversation. Um, there was a, there's a movie from a while ago. It was called the gospel. I think it was called the gospel of John. Uh, there's been a lot of movies yeah. that try to dramatize the gospels, but this one used straight up just the words from the gospel. Um, and I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen clips from it and I've seen the scene with the woman at the well and the woman who played her, I really dug at the beginning. She's just kind of like throwing shade at him and, and but he's but he's also he like sees something in her and there's like this kind of smirks and stuff and like it's really well done it's a nice it's a really nice scene she ends up being a whole lot more in awe of him at the end of that than than I portray her as but yeah I like her as sassy I like her as like she's this interesting person she's not just a cipher for some boring theology you know no what was interesting to me is like the pushback 
And mm. I think the challenge for me is like, we never push back against God or we never push mm. back against Jesus. Oh, you know? Well, I, I do, <laughs> but I didn't for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, you get one of those moments where, you know, life just turns to shit. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm like, what the hell, God? Like, yeah. what's going on? Like, here I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not the prodigal. I'm the one who stayed home. I did everything. I did yes. everything you asked. And now, you know, yes. everything's falling apart on me. And he, it's just legalism 101 is what, right. it, what it was. I wasn't actually, I didn't actually have a relationship with God is what I was finding out. I never pushed back. I just did everything. And you have this uh, this line in this chapter. It says, it's important to admit our not knowing what the hell is going on when we're talking about Jesus. God's not some wilting flower. We push back because we care about the relationship enough to understand it and make it better. But yet yeah. when somebody is it doubting or somebody's pushing back and we see them yeah. in the middle of that, we almost don't allow it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's entirely accurate. I, I just preached on... Uh, "Quote unquote," doubting Thomas recently, um, and I love that guy because, um, like, he's like less famous than Peter, I guess. Peter's sort of yeah. famous for not getting it right. Um, Thomas is also awesome, often asking these questions, and like that's his story. Really makes me sad that we remember him as doubting Thomas, um, because like we're going way down a rabbit hole here. I'll try to say it quickly. Um, Right before Jesus appears to Thomas, like the week before, he appeared to all the disciples and showed them his wounds, right? And they say, hey, Thomas, we saw Jesus. And he's like, I don't believe it. Like, really? Why? That's so rude. Why would you say that? Like, he's dead. Yeah. I mean, we all saw it. Yeah. I won't believe it until I see his hands and feet. And we're like, oh, my God. Look, see, you're not supposed to ask for proof. And you're like, the other disciples got it. They got proof. What? Yeah. Why is he in trouble for asking yeah. questions? Right? And, and, and of course, that Jesus says, do not doubt but believe. And I, I choose to read that as not doubt is terrible, don't ever doubt anymore, but here I am, right? You asked yeah. for me to be here, and here I am. Don't doubt any longer yeah. but believe. Like, here I am. I mean, which is maybe a hair's breadth difference, but to me, doubt is not the opposite of faith. It's part of faith. And asking those questions is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to talk about another man in the Bible on our episode about women yes. in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Men are people too. Yeah. yeah Ma- Matthew 11 is my favorite when John the Baptist asks, are you the Christ or should we look for someone else? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's like... He's not sure. He's not yeah. sure. He's having this moment of doubt. I mean, who wouldn't in prison? It's his cousin. Yeah. yeah. And he even said... <laughs> Like, how convenient that I was called to be a prophet and my cousin is called to be the Messiah. Really? <laughs> but I always love, I, I, yeah, I just love that about John the Baptist. Like, he has mm-hmm. this moment of doubt, and instead of Jesus, like, just tearing him a new one, he's like, just go tell John the things that you see in here. Mm-hmm. That'll be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, man rabbit trail on the woman episode. Sorry. That's great. Well, <laughs> I just think, like, I don't know, for me in, in my, my own walk or my own journey, whatever whatever you'd like to call it, I, it's like I, th- I think I actually started to build a relationship with God when I started to push back because then he starts mm-hmm. to show mm-hmm. you things. Like, yeah, I, I was just like, you, you challenged me, here I am. You know, yeah. kind of like you mentioned with Thomas, like, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, you don't believe, here I am. Like, right. he starts right. showing you things. I just, I think that's awesome. Um, 
Another thing that stood out to me was in your uh, Paul's Church Ladies chapter. Yes. <laughs> that just sounds so funny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you, you kind of put all of uh, Paul's Church Ladies into, into one chapter. Yes. Um, but you kind of have this uh, like uh, side in here talking about authentic worship. Mm. And it's just like those those like burning bush moments that just like sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. And I think like everybody needs one of those moments. Like if you're a believer in God or mm. Jesus, like that, those moments are so incredibly foundational to your relationship. And yeah. you talk about, um, you talk about this, like you're in between campus mm. and I think yeah, you just laid down on the grass for a moment and you're just looking at this blue sky mm-hmm. and just like in complete awe of it. Yeah. And I guess my question to you and um, people who haven't had those experiences is how do we have those? <laughs> do they just like happen? Like, do we, can we manipulate God into having one? No, uh, no, no. Uh, yeah. Well I, well, I know that. I'm. Uh, yeah. I mean, to me, some of this comes down to sort of your theology of God, what what is God like? Um, I think for a lot of Christians, there's this sense that kind of God shows up, which implies that there are lots of times that God doesn't show up. Um, Like, in other words, like God sort of suddenly appears and then disappears, is there, is not there. Um, And I I don't know if that's right or wrong. It's not how I see God. Um, For me, I... I haven't read Tillich, but I've read about Tillich, Paul Tillich. Um, his whole idea of the ground of being makes a lot of sense to me that it's God is always present. Yeah. Not, not, not even not even that God is present. That that suggests the opposite, that there are there is the possibility of God being absent. That is not, in fact, the case. That that um this is not a rabbit trail. This is important to what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, that there are there are rabbi there are many rabbis who say um, that when God gave the name to Moses when Moses said who who shall I say is sending me and God says Yahweh that what the, what God is saying is not here is a word that defines me God is saying it's not just I am it's it's existence yeah. the fact of existence is me <clears throat> such that there is not there is not there's never a moment nor even the possibility that god could not be present so so all that is to to come back to this idea of having those burning bush moments to me moments of the burning bush are when we are aware of god's presence yeah that bush was burning the whole time huh. moses just happened to be in the right place to see it yeah i think i said abraham a minute ago that was weird anyway um so so that, like, I would say that for myself, um, I choose to, uh, there's a level at which I choose to interpret things as uh, a sign of God's presence, um, but there's also a level at which I choose to practice meditation and I choose to practice intentional conversations um, and various things such that I am ready when it comes. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Like in other words, it's not that you can force it to happen, but you can 
like a like a writer actually the whole point of not the whole point a lot of a lot of writers will tell you you need to write every day even if it's bullshit because then when the real thing comes you have you are ready you have yeah. the words you have the practice you can get in you can do it yeah um so like i just came back from a pilgrimage to europe with some of my students and the really the first day we were there we went to the Dachau concentration camp and that's going to be rough anyway. Yeah. Like that's, that's a lot. Um, and it's really hard to put into words, but it's really hard to be in a place like that. Um, and I'm not saying that I had like the world's most perfect response to it or anything like that, but I think that I responded as strongly as I did to it because I had, I have been preparing for this, even though I didn't know I had been. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. God was really there for me, not in a like, oh, Alice, you're so great, like in a really painful way. Yeah. This, this is the mortal agony of the people who were there. This is the mortal agony of Christ. Hmm. And I saw it. Yeah. (laughs) Like I really felt it in a way that I don't think I would have felt it, you know, 10 years ago. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just well, heavy. Yeah, no, it, it is. is. It is heavy. Like I, I, I was reading like your experience in in that chapter, and then I was I was thinking back like a, a year ago last summer. I'm sitting in my car, and it's just one of those days. You know, life's not great. You know, uh, but I'm just sitting here. And I'm staring at this tree across the parking lot of where I'm at, and I'm just watching the way the wind like work its way through the leaves on the tree. Mm-hmm. I'm just like. God knows that breeze pushing mm-hmm. God's pushing those leaves mm-hmm. and he knows exactly where each one of those leaves is in space. Mm-hmm. I think I was like, I was, you know, I'm, I'm really into Luke chapter 12, you know, or mm-hmm. not, not even a sparrow hops and God doesn't know about it. Sure. But I'm just like, holy crap. It was almost scary. Like God's everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah. it's like, I was and like, not in a judgy way, right? Like we, yeah. we tend to like get that sort of Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake, kind of thing, which is like really <laughs> yeah, ominous. It's scary, but it's not. Uh, it's it is. At best, it's good news. At worst, it's neutral. Yeah. Right, like just God is here. Yeah. With mm. us, just I, I kind just of at us. Yeah, I just kept thinking like. Okay, I know there's atheists, I know there's people who say they don't believe in God, and, and that's fine and whatnot, but I'm just thinking, like, if you were standing in the middle of the forest, and you said, like, what's a tree? Like, you just look, and there's a tree. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just always there, and you don't think of anything of it until you're in the desert and say, I wish I really had a tree right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if God is everywhere and in everything, like... How would we, I mean, it would be so easy to mistake him for not being there because he's literally in everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I may have just gone on a rabbit trail, but that chapter like caught me for Good. sure. Uh, that like, Good. The, way, the way you worded <laughs> that. So I'm probably coming off as a bit of a like fanboy. I'm, I'm fanboying over your book right now. But. That's so exciting. <laughs> I mean, didn't you see on my Twitter the other day? I was fan fangirling over the fact that Christian Century wrote a review of the book. Oh, <laughs> really? Did they? Yeah. Well, it's on the blog. It's not actually in the magazine, but still. <laughs> That's still awesome. Alice, what can the church do? Because like, like I said before, one of the things that 
really spoke to me is what you said about, well, you can learn from the women in the Bible too. So mm. how do we as a church move forward and maybe consider the women in the Bible as not just being the story for the women, but also a, a story, the stories for all of us? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think step one is read them. <laughs> um, okay, check. Read Bible. Step two, take them seriously. Um, I think this is... I think this is one of the main problems we have in race relations in America is that we don't take each other's stories seriously. Um, when, when you talk about racism in America, there's a lot of um, like, we'll read a story, somebody's story in the news. Um, you know, somebody got pulled over and hassled or even killed. Um, and particularly those of us who are white will say, well, I mean, you know, shouldn't have been driving that way. should have responded differently. Like you, you aren't seeing this right. Like what you think you who are telling your own story, what you think you experience isn't, that's not, there must be extenuating circumstances. Well, maybe there are, but that person experienced it that way. Right. So why not take them seriously? Why not take them at their word? This person is frightened. Okay. My telling you, you shouldn't be frightened. Doesn't make you less frightened. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and similarly, I think really pick any you know personal attribute and any kind of identity thing. Um, why not ask people questions about their story and take it seriously when they they answer? Like, this was my experience of being a woman in this situation. This is my experience of being gay. This is my experience of being a man. And I'm kind of overwhelmed by these kinds of conversations. And I'm not sure how to interact without offending people and then that in turn makes me feel defensive but whatever the thing is doesn't matter yeah to as we were talking about before say the thing yeah <laughs> and believe them when they say the thing not to second guess so i, that, I think that strikes me as really important whether okay. it's feminism or not um that each of us is a whole person and we have a complex story um that deserves to be heard so hmm. listen to it. That's awesome. And like do it on purpose. <laughs> that right? seems Not pretty simple like, enough. Read right. Bible, just listen. Got <laughs> it. And, and say the thing. And say the thing. I mean... It's so simple, you think more people would be doing it, but they don't. No, but so, it's hard. It is hard. <sighs> Jason, did you think of your question? Um, no, because I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> Dang What's it, Jason. Your- was your closing question sort of like the future of the church? Is that what you were asking? Yeah, I'm not sure because I'm, I was trying to f- think about it because I guess I want, especially for like my daughter, I have a 17 month old. Oh, mm-hmm. let's end with that. Keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, I, I just have a 17 month old and I, I guess. What do you worry about for her? Uh, I worry about what's going on currently with the fact that, like, we brought it up in the episode that Jess did, like, there's not a lot of women that are properly trained on the staff to counsel women, as mm-hmm. as well as, like, some of the men who are pastors there. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that, you know, the Billy Graham rule, and, like, I, I would feel uncomfortable if my daughter was just meeting one-on-one with just mm. a man. Mm. But can we give some of that same training to the women as well? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess that's that's my biggest worry. That's sh- that we can. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> like well, that's the thing is like here you've been doing it for years and you've grown up with it. Yeah, and we haven't. So we're getting yeah, to this point yeah. like like uh, my wife and I came through this terrible church background where she had to be silent and submissive, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for a long time I bought into that and I was I was part of the problem, but. It, yeah. But neither one of us recognized it. We're just doing what mm-hmm. we're just doing what church does, you know? And we're we're yeah. just going for it. But but now we see things like um I, we and we brought this up in her episode like if if I wanted to meet with my pastor, I could. I could meet with a man who is deeply trained in biblical studies. Right. And and knows his Bible stuff. And I could go get some awesome Bible answers for him right now. I could call him up and go. And she can't. Mm. She doesn't have that same opportunity mm-hmm. because if she, Why if, she not? if she were, they would have to arrange, you know, it would have to be like, well, your husband's got to come with you or, or <sighs> wait for me to get my wife in here too. Yeah. And, you know, so I don't want to be too judgy about that because like we need to listen to each other's stories, right? And affirm yeah. that that that's important for a lot of people. That has absolutely no importance to me. Um, I will say this: not not your story doesn't for me personally. Yeah, um, no, I'm with you. Years ago, my husband and I worked at a Barnes and Noble uh, in Columbus, and um, it was a very odd experience for lots of reasons, including it was a very matriarchal store in a really good way. We had a, the, the woman who was in the, our boss for the whole store was a woman. Uh, we had a lot of women in power in that store. As though there's a lot of power in a bookstore, but you get the idea. And what was really odd about this is how many relationships there were across genders. Like I had thought nothing of it. I have lots of guy friends. I will literally go out with guys for drinks all the time. Yeah. It's not an issue. Um, my husband goes and hangs out with women friends that he has and also guy friends. Like it doesn't like for us, it's not, it's not that we're like gender blind cause that's not really a real thing. It's just, we are confident in ourselves and in the relationship that we have with each other that why, why wouldn't we have friends who are interesting, whoever they are? You know what I mean? Um, and so that like, I think that I'm probably an anomaly for you and perhaps for some of your listeners. Um, that may be, that may sound like super odd. Um, I would, I'd never think twice about uh, asking someone whether they're male or female or gender nonconforming to have a one-on-one conversation. Now I know enough about church safe, uh, church safety guidelines to have yeah. a window in the door. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that has, and that has nothing to do with gender. That's literally if I'm one-on-one with anybody, yeah, I will make sure that the door is cracked, that someone else in the building knows that I'm in there. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But for me, it has nothing to do with the gender. So I, I just, I, I'm saying this to say, I find that really interesting. Um, that that is a concern. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> no, I, I could totally. If I put myself in like your perspective, like I totally yeah. see that, like. So here I'm pushing you again. Sorry. No, it's just it's, I, I I hate to say it, but it's like it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, no, and I, I get that. Like I wish so bad. I wish, I wish you lived here. Like, and my wife could meet with you. Like honestly, like, <laughs> and if not you, like somebody like you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I bet I bet there is somebody like me, or not even like me at all. But I I bet there is somebody. Maybe not in your church, but yeah. 
Are you uh, just move to Cincinnati? Just do it. Yeah, we can we'll Skype. Right. We can do the podcast over Skype. Still, we'll, we'll figure it out. I, guess, I think what I'm trying to say here is not like I I do have an agenda, like everybody does, but I think it's I I don't want it to sound like I'm coming off as saying like you should do X Y and Z because that's how I do it. That's not what I'm yeah. saying at all. Um, but that as you are, as, and you said in your own words, you're deconstructing as as you and your wife are kind of what it sounds like, kind of renegotiating some stuff about your relationship um in process which sounds healthy to me that's how, that's yeah. how marriages work yeah um, as you're doing that um you know that that doesn't mean you have to reject everything you came from yeah. um but it also doesn't mean that you have to keep at arm's length um resources and people who might be in this other space and be helpful to you yeah you know what i mean like that you you could find a balance that is a third thing. Um, hmm. In other words, you know, why, why not go, go find your local Episcopal church yeah. and not, not don't go there necessarily. I mean, I love the Episcopal church, but you don't have to, but yeah. you know, find, find a, a female priest and just chat them up. Like, yeah. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. I'm with you. Like, like I kind of, I kind of feel stupid. Like, Oh, well, yeah. No, <laughs> no not at all. Oh my gosh. Oh, that makes me sad. No, no please, don't, please don't feel like you're stupid because that's that's not at all what I'm saying. No, I I know I I'm I'm with you 100. percent Faith is a process and it is hard. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people, if we could land the plane? Yeah, we got to land the plane. Uh, <laughs> where can people find your book? Um, you can find it at Amazon. Like you can buy everything ever on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, but you can also buy it, um, through really any book retailer, barnesandnoble.com, um, or any of your charming local vendors. Um, it's a legit book from a legit publisher, so you can order it anywhere. <laughs> That's so and I awesome. I have a website, fierceasswomen.com. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> That's so awesome. People probably type that in and they're like, oh, it's a Bible site. Dang it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Alice. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This has been really fun. Jason, I feel like a dum-dum that I didn't read the book now. You should feel like a dum-dum, Alex. (sighs) Sorry, Pastor Alice, that I didn't read your book before the interview, but... I didn't give you a chance to either. You, Yeah, you kind of just said, it's my book. I'm going to keep it. Yeah, And I then did. at the same time, I've also been really thinking about canceling my Netflix subscription. So I'm trying to watch as much Netflix before I cancel. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I really enjoyed hanging out with uh, Alice over Skype. Yeah, I mean, Alex, as far as the book goes, we really didn't dig in a whole lot to the book because I want people to read it. Like, I kind of brought up some of my favorite things about the book. But I will say, like, as far as, like, a book written about women from a woman, she does this amazing job at building the character of the person. Mm. And so I say that it's like uh, it's like um, you read, you know, the Bible and it's just like this history thing and you just kind of gloss over it where she like really slows down. And puts a face to the person, puts a brain to the person, puts yeah. thoughts and like, what's it like getting dressed as Herodias as you're about, you know, to Do jiggle you your things up in front of, you know, wow. Herod. You like, just, for the very first time, <laughs> you just said the phrase, jiggle your things. 
on this podcast. Well, and that's why this is called Not Your Pastor's Podcast, because just, a pastor wouldn't say that on Sunday no. morning. No, oh, they goodness. wouldn't. But anyway. But there's a whole lot of, like, she just gives a whole lot of depth to the stories. Yeah. And it really, to me, it puts my, put me into, like, the situation. Mm-hmm. So good. It's fantastic. You so guys good. need to buy the book. On Amazon or anywhere books are sold. But Jason... Your birthday's coming up. I know what I'm getting you. <laughs> <laughs> you get me all these books and I'm going to yeah. be like, I don't have time. Netflix. Gosh. Get rid of the Netflix. Uh, anyway. Um, so Jason, speaking of more women that are going to be on the podcast, you know, we've, we've had many, many great sermon contributions for Not Your Pastor's Pulpit from all these wonderful uh, women uh, that I got a hold of us. And we have another one coming up from Becky Castle Miller. Yeah. So get excited for that one. That's going to come From the Netherlands, on. Alex. <laughs> you got really excited and also like you were going to do an accent when you said Netherlands. I, do, I wasn't trying to do an accent. It sounded like you were going to do one, though. I don't know what a... From the Netherlands! <laughs> that's not what a Netherlandian sounds like. I, know, I don't even it's know not. if that's a word. <laughs> Netherlandian. Uh, anyway... Are they from Lord of the Rings? No, that's that's New Zealand. Yeah. My bad. Anyway, Becky's going to come on. She's going to share an awesome, awesome sermon with you guys. And we're, we're, we're kind of winding down the, the women's celebration month, the feminist month here. So yeah. we got a few more sermons for you. Uh, yeah, so Method Theology is coming on next week. Holly's yep. going to be in the episode, and Donna recorded a pulpit for us. And yeah, absolutely. So if you guys don't remember Holly, she was our number two pulpit contribution is she our first guest who submitted a pulpit before they came on yes i believe oh, so i think brandon andrus did he he submitted his pulpit like his sermon and then oh. i asked him to be on okay so she's the second one who is coming from the pulpit to the podcast yeah she has uh her and her friend donna do a podcast called method theology and i've listened to a, a few episodes i haven't listened to them all yet but i've listened to a few and what i've heard i like yeah it's gonna be a great conversation next week so look forward to that, and also look forward to all the just crazy stuff Jason's going to be posting on social media. Like I've said before, Jason's usually the one posting things on social media, just because I just don't do it very much. It's just my personality. Again, Enneagram, who knows what number I am now at this point. <laughs> one week I'm a one, one week I'm a nine, who knows? If it makes you feel any better, Alex, I do most of my posting while sitting on the toilet. <laughs> multitasking is what that's called jason it is but please go go to our instagram go to our twitter go to our facebook page go like those things go see what we're posting who knows maybe it's another crazy meme about jason hiding in the bushes after he said something insensitive (laughs) to his feminist wife so those things are happening Uh, but jason as we land this plane i have a piece of advice for you (sighs) yeah buddy yeah and I just wanted to, I just wanted to tell you this um, from the bottom of my heart. <sighs> Love people. Oh, and use things. You going a little uh, minimalist? You know on what? Me. No, scratch that. <laughs> Always keep your stick on the ice. Have a good, have a good one, everybody. <laughs>